2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. You don't have to break the bank to buy quality. The Renault Selection Used Car Event is on from the 1st until the 5th of October with special APR offers, 2 years warranty and 2 years roadside assistance on all quality used cars. T's and C's apply.
3: You're very welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon. It's Joan Larkin here again, sitting in for Jerry today. Loads to talk about, so I hope you can stay with us. I hope you will forgive the voice. I was hit overnight with a dose of, I think it's just a head cold. I hope it doesn't progress into anything more. And I hope the old voice holds up. As usual, you can text or WhatsApp us on 086 1800 658. That is the number to text or WhatsApp us. And we do love to get your comments, be they good, be they bad, throw them at us anyway. We love to get them. So now we're going to kick off the show with another story that's been doing the rounds and it keeps coming round and round again illegal dumping again in County Meath this time Ardcath now we have Alan Nolan who's Meath's litter warden on the line again Alan to warn about giving rubbish to unregistered callers, how are you Alan?
0: Hi John, good afternoon, how are you? Here
3: we go again Alan with the old um, giving the rubbish to...
0: Unfortunately unfortunately, we have another quite a bad dumping incident um, last night sometime because I actually patrolled the road yesterday (laughs) and the road was nice and clean. We did take one bag of rubbish off it where someone uh, kindly threw it out on the side of the road and 95% of what we picked up in that bag, guess, it was recyclable. plastic right. bottles, cans, the usual stuff that people are just too lazy uh, or ignorant, I'll use the word, or uneducated. It's another word we could use for them, who refused to put this stuff into recycling centres, into recycling bins.
3: Or just um, can't be bothered.
0: Can't be bothered, exactly. They have absolutely no regard for the countryside and the environment we live in. And Or their kids, or their grandkids coming up behind them.
3: And last night, Alan, what was dumped last night?
0: Last night we had approximately a tonne and a half of household material. It looks like a house clearance. Um, doors, windows, fencing, toys, um, kitchen equipment, tyres, wheels... <laughs> You, you name it Joan it was in it so
3: instead of getting a skip somebody decided to just load it all yeah, up instead
0: of, and well, dump it. instead of getting a skip what's happening is people are and I'm going to use the word again uneducated people are go- going on to the likes of social media ads for a man in a van not checking to see he has the illegal permit to collect rubbish to remove rubbish and giving it to him for the sake of 50 quid or whatever it is and he's going out to the countryside, they don't give a damn. He could tell them, yes, I have a permit, but they don't know unless they go on to the National Permit Waste Collection Office, which is www.nwcpo.ie, go on to that, put in the guy's name that's coming to collect the rubbish. If he's not on that, Joan, he's not doing it legally. He's legally collecting rubbish. He is Mm -hmm. not bringing it to an authorised collection permit site to deal with it. And it's been dumped on the side of the road. And because, it's left for the taxpayer, make Council, along with the taxpayer, to clean it up.
3: Because, of course, there's loads of these ads on social media. Now, we must point out as well that not all of these guys, man with a van, are illegal dumpers. But there are plenty there of them that are. So, I mean, people are...
0: are... John, but to be honest with you, Joan, the ones that are legal and have their way of collection permits are nearly too busy to be of putting up advertisements to collect the stuff. Okay. That's what we have found. That's what we have found. Right. And be honest with you, we're flat out trying to shut them down and um, we've been in contact with Facebook and again, we're working closely with Facebook and all the local pages, your Buy and Sell, Mead Buy and Sell, Nav and Buy and Sell, Trim Buy and Sell, Dulik mm. Buy and Sell, Dulic Area, Ashburn Buy and Sell, all these, I'm not just going to select a few of them, but they all have the ads and they will advertise us Someone that is, I'm going to say it again, uneducated, will say, oh, yes, you're at a 50 quid sure We don't mind. Your man is probably legit. He's not legit. He's dumping it in the countryside.
3: And they're just dumping it then down a country lane somewhere. Is that what happens? Country lane
0: this morning. And um, There's a new house being built, actually, and they just reversed into his side of the driveway, <laughs> tipped the whole lot up. And we're not talking about a little van. This was a lorry load of stuff.
3: Windows, well, doors, had, course, all those sort of stuff do. that should be in a skip.
0: It should be an escape, absolutely, because what was left on the side of the road this morning, I'm going to say 100% of it was recyclable. There was nothing in it that couldn't be recycled. And I mean nothing. Everything was in it was recyclable.
3: And what happens, just supposing you do get one of these guys to to come along and take the waste, if the council is able to trace the rubbish then back to the homeowner, who gets fined? Is it the man with the the van? The The homeowner.
0: homeowner. Whoever, Whoever produces the rubbish will get fined.
3: And there's usually a way and to trace had, it back.
0: We've had quite a few successful um, court outcomes of that, where we have brought people to court and they will tell us, yes, we've got the man in the van, but if they don't, if they can't prove to us that he was a legitimate collector, the judge will, will find them heavily.
3: And how much do people find in general for this kind of thing?
0: We had a couple of cases, Joan, in June and July, I think it was, and one particular woman got a €2,000, 2000 Euro fine plus 850 court costs was another lady on the, on the day in question I think she was got a thousand euros plus a thousand euros clean up cost wow um, it's very expensive to get rid of rubbish as you know from the That's... side of the road we have a contractor in Panda Waste and we were a brilliant driver Malik he comes around with us on a daily basis But myself Carl, and Ashley there's three community wardens in the county doing rubbish the whole time and illegal dumping and it's costing. And it's costing me kind of council a small fortune to get rid of this stuff outside the road.
3: That is a huge sorry, I won't amount of money.
0: Small fortune. It's actually a big fortune. It,
3: it is, fortune. but that's a huge amount of money. That that comes back at you for your fifty euro man in the van coming to the house to take your stuff.
0: Absolutely, and people don't realise that. And I will encourage people if you're living in a house in the state or if you're living in the country. And you see these people giving the rubbish. Don't hesitate to contact me, County Council Environment Section. Uh, you can email it in. Um, we deal with all our calls anonymously. Um, it's me. It's Environment at IE or you can ring on four six nine zero nine seven two hundred. As I say, we will deal with them confidentially. Um, mm. Let us know what the number of the house is where the rubbish went, we will call and find out if they have a waste collection service at their door. If not, we will be finding them.
3: And we've often heard stories about people who were intimidated into giving waste. I mean, have you any advice for people in this situation? Have you heard of that?
0: We have heard a small amount of it, Joan, yeah, but I'd say to people in the first instance, do not employ these people unless you check www.nwpco.ie and if his name is Joe Bloggs you go onto to it, you type in Joe Bloggs. If Joe Bloggs' name does not come up, he does not have a valid collection permit. He is not allowed to take away it. If he's doing it, he's doing it 100% illegally.
3: And you tell him yeah. to turn around and take his van and off with you.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Is I mean, it getting worse, Alan? Do you think it is
3: it getting worse? Be,
0: Joan, it seems to be getting worse. Um, I noticed in the last five years, it seems to be more and more... And it's probably through the power of social media, um, your Facebook, your Done Deal, your advertising, mm. so mm. on and so on, that people are saying, oh yeah, sure, look, we we'll get rid of the waste, so skip this whatever price, and we'll get this done for 30 or 40 quid. Mm. But what they don't realize is that stuff is going to end up on the side of the road. They will be brought to court, or they will be heavily fined.
3: And have you had great success then in, in sort of driving these unregulated um, rubbish collectors off the road?
0: Not as much as we'd like. We've had, had some success, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. We do, as I say, we're working closely with Facebook now at the minute, and we are trying to get all the local pages. If they're advertising a a rubbish collection, they must display a waste collection permit. And Mm -hmm. that will be to the register. When you get a waste collection permit, you'll have a vehicle, and you'll have a registration of that vehicle on the waste collection permit. So if the vehicle pulls up and it's a different registration than what is on the waste collection permit don't give it to him, he's not legal he could be using someone else's waste collection permit number It only takes two minutes to go onto the internet and check it out and I would advise people to do that because it is going back to the people that produce the rubbish it is going back to use and we will heavily hand it bring us to court no problem you produce waste you don't get rid of it properly we will see you in court
3: and the way you said there go on to the internet and check it there's a lot of elderly people out there who wouldn't have a clue how to do that
0: absolutely and I'd say to people if you have an elderly relative or anything like that or a neighbour that's thinking about it do it for them and just say are you sure this guy is legit maybe have a look and see if there, if there is waste gathering up at the back of their house or at the side of their property tip in and say listen you need a bit of help getting rid of that and go on to the website check them Bring them and get them out
3: And these illegal dumpers Alan have they ever been fined? Has there been a prosecution brought against anyone?
0: It's so hard to get them Joan because they are working on the false registration plates, false names, false addresses it's next to near impossible to catch them.
3: Now we're into October today, Halloween is just around the Halloween. corner. Alan is that yeah. the worst time of year for you?
0: It probably is, as opposed to illegal bonfires, it is, yes. Um, Again, I can't reiterate enough how dangerous bonfires are for both the people surrounding them, the people building them, the environment, the mess they leave behind, the clean-up costs. We took again last week in Morrington down the Crook Road, and believe it or not, when we were removing it, there was two cylinders of gas in the bottom of the pile. Oh and God my God! Forbid, if that had been lit down and they exploded, you'd be talking death. Oh, you would! It's absolutely crazy what people are doing. Now, whether they've done it intentionally or someone acting the blackguard, I don't know. But absolutely chaotic if that went off.
3: We're going to see all the kids out on the road now soon with the with the tires and the pallets and all that sort of stuff. What would you say to parents whose kids are going out there collecting for bonfires?
0: Please don't let them do it please don't let them do it. I spoke to a mother in Avon uh, two years ago where her son's hand was really badly bandaged and I said, is the okay? He was rolling a tyre down the road and as the tyres that they would be taken from properties was wore away, the tyre, the wire of the tyre went into his hand and injured him very, very badly. That's mm-hmm. only a small part of it. Now luckily mm-hmm. he was okay, he got his tetanus shot, he didn't need stitches or so forth. But I'd, I'd urge parents, please don't let them do it.
3: Because there's going because to be there, organised events there's for there. Halloween sorry there's going to be organised events for Halloween you don't need to be going out there collecting and, and ha- having yeah, bonfires exactly. down whatever field
0: yeah like, there is there is like okay fireworks are illegal as well but you'll always if you stand outside your front door no matter where you live in the county you'll see fireworks Halloween night yeah. go and do your trick-or-treating forget mm. about the bonfires the bonfires are harmful to the environment we can't emphasise enough climate change at the minute yeah. and it's a huge thing with kids trying to educate things, kids about the climate change of what causes the climate change. You have 20 tires going up in smoke on well, one, one night in one area. Think about the whole county. God only knows how many fires you yeah. have. The untold damage that's doing to the atmosphere is incredible.
3: Of course, and it's something we don't really think about until it comes to this time of the year and you notice mm-hmm. the kids exactly. out collecting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And no, nobody thinks about it, but I would no. encourage parents, please, when your kids come home from school, know where they are, know what they're doing, why they're doing it. If they're collecting for a bonfire please prevent them from doing it. As I said to you the one we took away from Morrington last week had two cylinders of gas that whether someone put them into it or they were purposely put into it, yeah. I can't say. But if that fire was lit,
3: that's terrifying. a
0: certain temperature, it was just, it's absolutely terrifying to think what could happen. It is.
3: Alan, and so it goes on and on and on I can only wish more you the best more. of luck Thank and thanks you're a million for taking out the time out of your, your valuable time to talk to me today.
2: That's all, you're more than welcome. Thanks
3: Alan, Thank take care. Bye bye.
2: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors used car event from the 1st till the 5th of October. Get a finance package that suits your needs on a quality approved Renault or Dacia. With a low deposit and low monthly payments, you could arrive and drive today at Blackstone Motors.
3: Welcome back to Late Lunch this afternoon. Well, October arrived in with a lashing of rain and wind this morning and my first cold of the year. So the weather has certainly turned a bit nasty overnight. So we're going to have a little chat about that now with uh, the lovely Liz Gavin from MetAaron. Are you there,
4: Liz? I am indeed, I
3: am. Oh, how are you this afternoon?
4: Oh um, yeah, so we're we're been busy here monitoring the situation. So I imagine what's yeah. the latest?
3: The the word on everybody's lips is Lorenzo. Sounds oh. like a very romantic Italian <laughs> name, but
4: yeah. So well, Lorenzo um, is currently a very powerful um, Category Two hurricane, um, but it's centered approximately three thousand kilometres southwest uh, of Valencia um, at, at the moment. So there's still considerable spread in you know its possible track and. Um, when it will exactly transition to an extratropical cyclone but that said there has been some convergence in our models over the last 24 hours so um, so what we can say about Lorenzo is that as it does track further north in the Atlantic Basin and, and it meets the cooler waters of the North Atlantic as it tracks up towards um, Ireland um, later um, into, into uh, Thursday, um, Lorenzo will lose a lot of its strength and transition um, as it does transition into an extropical tropical cyclone, and that'll happen around 1,000 kilometres up the southwest coast. So um, at the moment, what we can say is that there is a very high probability that it will track close to or over Ireland later Thursday into the early hours of Friday. So um, at the moment, um, what we can say is basically there is a potential for some strong coastal gales, severe gales, especially in Atlantic areas. Um, but we will um, see some strong winds over land as well. So um, and particularly high seas um, for Thursday into into Friday as well, particularly along Atlantic coast.
3: Mm, so Ophelia is almost two years ago to the day we had Ophelia land on us here. We don't expect anything like that this time.
4: No, well, I mean, we're still going to, you know, see um, storm um you know, a storm is nothing to you know uh, dismiss. But we will see some very strong winds. Um, but exactly pinpointing them at the moment where the strongest winds will be, um, we will just have to wait another probably twenty four hours and um, twelve to twenty four hours before um, we'll pinpoint particular areas that will be most at risk. Um, but you know it, mm. it, 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 there is potential for some very strong winds um particularly thursday later thursday into the early hours of friday um and we will see some heavy rain with that as well so um so i suppose you know it's just um you know keep up to date with the latest forecast and that is on um, the Met um, website. And 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 Liz, the last time
3: when we had Ophelia, or any time we have a, b- a big storm in this country, you get the people that go out swimming, don't you? You get the people that go up the mountains to have a good view. You get yeah. all these. What advice would you give to people? We had certain amount of, of trouble during Ophelia with people swimming off Galway.
4: Well, I mean, it's that. I mean, particularly, um, you know, the, the the seas are going to be, you know, very high complete uh, you know we could have uh, waves of up to 10 meters high so i mean i would advise people to stay away from the coastal areas particularly along Atlantic coast and um, you know i mean, from thursday um onwards into friday and um, there will be some very um very high waves indeed um high seas so um you know advice mm. that regard will be stay away from coastal areas
3: and how, how if it does track over us how long can we expect it to last
4: um, so, you know, at the moment, you know, as I said, it, the, you know, Thursday evening into into the early hours of, of Friday morning will be the, you know, at the moment that looks like the, you know, the critical time. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. from Thursday afternoon onwards... Um, we're going to see the winds picking up, um, and then um, overnight continuing, uh, uh, and then you know the winds should swing around to a northwestly yeah. there later on Friday, and then um, you know the winds abating.
3: Is uh, that it now, Solis? Is the summer finally over?
4: Um, well, Can we pack actually, up the sandals? Just, I just had a look at the charts there, and it does look like our weather staying unsettled right out through the weekend as well. So we will see some. Further bands of rain putting in low pressure is going to dominate our weather. Um, although the you know the temperatures might be a little bit um, you know, above normal over the weekend, um, mm. we are gonna see spells of rain.
3: But we'd pack away the, the, the um sun cream and the flip flops for another year, I think.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Liz uh, Gavin, thanks for the warning and thanks for the information no about Lorenzo and the weather this coming weekend. Thank you very much, Liz. Okay. Take bye-bye. care. Now, all this week, we have a competition for you running in conjunction with Athboy Credit Union. Now, Athboy Credit Union have been serving the community there in Athboy for the last 50 years. And to celebrate this, we have 50 euro vouchers to give away all week, courtesy of the local businesses in the town of Athboy all this week. Now, today we have a 50 euro voucher from the Darnley Lodge Hotel in Athboy where you can use it to enjoy maybe a night out dining at the restaurant or maybe take the family to enjoy Sunday lunch now. i am very kind to you today because I'm feeling so miserable so for your chance to win all you have to tell me is how many years has the Credit Union been serving the community there in Athboy? Text or WhatsApp us to 086-1800 658 for your chance to win that lovely 50 euro voucher for the Darnley Lodge Hotel in Athboy.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors used car event from the 1st until the 5th of October. Tired of high credit union or bank interest rates? Our in-house finance specialist is offering low APR finance and flexible PCP finance options. Drive away with a quality used car and a finance package that suits you at Blackstone Motors.
3: Welcome back to Late Lunch this afternoon. The number to text or WhatsApp us is 0861800658. Now, I'm joined in studio today by an amazing lady who happens to be a friend of mine. But in the course of a casual conversation last week, she mentioned she was travelling to the UK at the weekend for a reunion at a RAF base. Because why? Her father was a rear gunner in the Air Force during the war, something I didn't know. Trish Kyo I was absolutely amazed when I heard your story and especially about the things you have which belong to your father his diaries and so forth so you're very welcome to late lunch and I should also say at this stage joining us in studio is of course Willie Sullivan who's the owner of the Military War Museum in Cullen and who's also an expert on all things to do with the war and artifacts and such like guys you are very welcome. Thank, thank you, you very journey. much Great please please forgive the voice and how i look this afternoon because i'm just on my feet barely so you're both very welcome trish can i start with you you're australian by birth yes. which is obvious by your lovely accent
5: how did you end up here in ireland i met an irishman in australia and he swallowed the brownie stone so <laughs> i ended up in ireland tell me about your father just jump right in and tell Um, me all about this amazing man an amazing man um he was a young man of 17 when he wanted to join up the RAF but one of the um recruiters recognized him and said sorry mate you're not 18 and so dad waited he was um until his 18th birthday and joined up the day later so he did he always want to do that or was it just Well, it was just war had broken out. And he felt and he, he should do this. And he just wanted to do his bit for king and country because Australia, very much part of the Commonwealth. Mm. And so many of these young men. And so when he joined up... And the amazing thing was, like, again, so many of them wanted to be pilots, but the way they chose what position they'd be doing was um, the alphabet, and my father's name was John Kennedy, Jack, um, because his initials were John Alexander Kennedy. He became known as J.A.K. during the war. And um, they'd go through the alphabet. And because of the Battle of Britain, there were so many pilots then. By the time um, it came to the bombers, um, Halifaxes, the Wellingtons, and then the Lancaster, um, they need a crew. So when dad arrived, being Kennedy, they said, oh, okay, okay, you're going to be a rear gunner. So he trained in Geelong and then he was sent over to by boat to Canada where he furthered his training. Mm-hmm. And then there were two Australian crews selected to um, be part of the special operations on Lancaster bombers. What an amazing history you have about your dad.
3: A very brave young man as they all were back then of course, but he was only eighteen years of age.
5: Eighteen years of age. And flew missions over Germany he during did the war. Thirty one missions, thirty one bombing missions. Most of them were nighttime raids, but they um there were a couple of daytime missions, but then the Americans um did most of the day time bombing raids. And of course was this part of Squadron 101? That was Squadron, 101 Squadron which is still operational. Mm.
3: Willie can I bring you in here because you must know a bit about this and uh, about the men who would have flown alongside Trish's father in, in these missions.
6: Well uh, like it, for for Trish's father to last 31 missions, like l- life expectancy was four missions for a tail gunner. Like,
5: four op- Trish and he lasted 41. Four forty missions. Four mission. I mean the, at the reunion um, about seven or eight years ago I was talking to a man and he'd been a rear gunner. He was one of the lucky ones. Unlucky, his crew sadly were killed. The Lancaster bomber was um, pretty badly shot up. But his turret actually broke away from the tail um, and and all he remembers he passed out and when he came to a lot of broken bones and Germans looking at him, he, it was a bombing raid over France and his turret had broken off hit the wires and then hit Trees. So he lived to tell the tale, and you met him. I met him, and you know there were so many of these young men. There was another man <laughs> who, you know. Well, sorry, Willie. He, listeners can't see Willie sitting here shaking his head <laughs> uh, and just in envy. Your you,
3: the colour of your face matches the green uh, sweatshirt you've uh, on.
6: Unbelievable! Like <laughs> the stories here are just amazing. Uh, just just stuff that books are written about or, or films yes. are made of. You know, it's it's, it's unbelievable,
5: and it's all true. And there was another fellow, that, again, the aircraft is shot up, the engines are on fire, and so he climbed out on the wing to, to put, you know, and, and you're sort of looking at these men and they're talking to you, and it was all matter of fact. But the incredible part about the veterans I met, they were so humble and, you know, we're all so proud of what they did and so mm. many young men lost their lives and didn't mm. make it. Your father was one of the lucky 000. ones. Yeah. Dad was one of the lucky ones. 55,000 air crew were killed during the war. Tell that me a
3: little bit it of that. Then. That's incredible. Maybe, Willie, you can take this one. Operation um, ABC Airborne Cigar. What was that about?
6: Well, actually, uh, this woman beside me actually will filled it in in full. <laughs> but basically, um, what had happened was that the, Amer- the, the RAF were losing so many aircraft during the daytime. Raids that they actually swapped with the with the Americans, and so the Americans were doing the daytime uh, raids over uh, mm. France and Germany, and the, the British were doing um, the nighttime raids. Uh, now it's not like today where you can pick out your iPhone and you can say where am I. Uh, mm. Everything is done on a compass and on a map and an infrared light, and um, you basically you you were trundling your way through uh, to Germany and bombing Germany. Um, The Germans had come up with a way of of basically shooting down the aircraft, but uh, there was actually, uh, actually, I'll pass it over to you because you know exactly.
5: Well, I actually had the privilege to meet one of the special operators, um, and he was a man, I mean, his history alone, a a gentleman called Gerhard Heilig, he um, was an Austrian Jew, he was living in Vienna at the time the Nazis invaded um, Austria. His father was editor of the Vienna Times, was captured by the Gestapo, but managed to escape. And Gerhard, with a few um about ten other, Austrian-Jewish children was smuggled out of um, Austria, the family made it to um, to England where he was educated and at the age of 18, war broke out. So Gerhard, like so many men in England, said, right, I'm going to join the RAF and I'm going to become um, a wireless operator. But he spoke fluent German. Of course. And this was the key to being... Um, on the airborne SCAR team it it was because he spoke fluent German he um, they had a secret the, the crew actually had seven crew but he was the eighth member on the crew all top secret and no one could talk about their eighth member he was up the back in the pitch black with a little receiver and then they'd be picking up the german um airwaves and he would sort of the german fighters would would jam the airwaves and speak german and and Mm. that's what airborne cigar was all about so gerhard himself had an amazing story And And he lived, I met him when he was in his 80s and and he only died um, three years ago. What a privilege to meet these men and and talk to them and hear their stories. Willie, you're green
3: with envy, aren't you?
6: This is unbelievable. But but what uh, Gerhard was doing was was basically blocking all the radio signals for the Germans that when they were coming up behind to shoot down the aircraft, because the weakest point of the aircraft was actually the tail, where the tail gunner is. Mm. And once you took him out the plane was fairly open to to, to being taken apart. Um, so they couldn't actually find the aircraft because he was blocking all the signals. So they didn't know they were fi- flying in the dark, basically. So a crucial, yes.
3: crucial job that he had. Oh, absolutely. And how his life turned around from being evacuated out of Vienna over to England yes. and then coming back... And because he spoke fluent German, was mm. able to assist. So, so oh my God, it's an amazing story. It
5: is. You and, must. And,
3: and how did you get involved going over to Bryce Norton in the first
5: place? Because that's where well, you were last Bryce weekend. Bryce Norton actually was the first reunion. Um, the One Hundred One Squadron Associate Member Union held there up until um this year they'd always been held in lincoln because it was in lincolnshire because it was so flat where a lot of the airfields were based and dad's um the 101 squad was based in a place called ludford magna and so on we'd arrive in lincoln um for the reunion and you'd have the an agm then we'd have a look at all the old memorabilia from World War Two, and then there'd be a, a dinner, and then the next day we'd drive to the aircraft and um, the airfield where they were based. Mm-hmm. Church service, all it was. Only the English can do the pomp and ceremony. Yeah. They'd be there and lay a wreath. Um, there is a wonderful memorial that was put there by the villagers. Um, called their their aim was to serve. And um, then the villagers would put on an afternoon tea. And the most amazing thing after that, the Lancaster bomber would fly over. So it would do a fly past and come sweeping down very low. And I mean, the first time it happened, I was there and I'm thinking, I saw the tail and and thinking, oh my God. And of course, the tears. Yeah, of course. But all the men crying. Mm. Look, and you were thinking
3: of your dad, how he used to sit in the back of that in the tail of the plane. And And I can imagine
5: the emotions. Oh, Oh. it must have been so high. With all of them. And the amazing thing about these men, when they gathered together, the camaraderie and, and, you know, it was still there, and the years would roll back, and they were all 18 and 19, and for about three or four years, there was the only full crew still left. Um, but sadly, there's only two veteran, three veterans left now. Of
3: course, yeah. After well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the signal that we do have to take a break here. But um, stay with us, stay with us, and we'll be talking more about Trish's amazing dad and Willie and World War Two after this.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors used car event from the 1st until the 5th of October. Tired of high credit union or bank interest rates? Our in-house finance specialist is offering low APR finance and flexible PCP finance options. Drive away with a quality used car and a finance package that suits you at Blackstone Motors.
3: Now, welcome back to Late Lunch. In studio, we have Trish Coe, whose dad was an amazing man. He was a rear gunner during World War II. And, of course, we have Willie Sullivan. We couldn't be talking about anything to do with wars without having you in the studio, Willie, could we? Of no. course, you're the owner of the Military War Museum in Cullen. So, Trish has brought in some stuff belonging to her dad, some diaries, his medals. She has a, a lot of stuff here in front of you. Your eyes are glowing looking at I, them, Willie. How significant are these?
6: This is just... Uh, well, this is a written history, and and that's mm. the fact of it. It's not. It's not hearsay it's not could have been or might have happened. This is what did happen and it's his story and it's it's the way it's told and, and uh every day, every mission, everything. It's 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 fantastic. It's brilliant.
3: Trish, you have some photos of your father there. We can, with your permission, we'd like to put them on, on the website, if that's okay. Just one oh, photograph of you your, your dad. Yes, what a yes.
5: handsome chap he was. He was. Yeah, they I, they say I look like him. <laughs> of course you look like him. He has a very cute smile and very yeah, twinkly eyes. He was a lovely, lovely man and very gentle, sensitive soul. He never talked about the war to me. And it wasn't until I became a member of the association that I started finding out and I met the flight engineer from his um, crew along with as I mentioned earlier Gerhard Heilig the special operator and they said they didn't talk about it for years but Mm. suddenly they were becoming aware in their 80s how important it was to talk about because they were the living history yeah and these diaries I actually have, part of the history, um, was actually written by um, the pilot of the crew, the captain. And he was 21 years of age, flying this huge, big Lancaster bomber. And the rest of the crew, my father included, the wireless operator, flight engineer, um, they were all 18, 19. Unbelievable, isn't it, Willie, is really to think about that?
6: Would you let a seventeen and eighteen year old in your car and let her drive down the road no. and, and hear the air on bombing missions over Germany? Yeah, I- it's I- unbelievable. Unreal.
3: Trish, this stuff that you have is priceless. it
5: is priceless.
3: It's amazing. but I mean, there's a huge interest in World War two in particular. I mean, there's a lot of, of interest in the various wars over the year, but World War two, Willie, why has that such a significance? Is it because it's not that long ago?
6: well it's it's World War one uh, only five years ago went from living history. To written history. And, yeah. and World War II is very, very, very fast uh, uh, approaching. Like you're talking about men in the 90s now. Yeah. And they reckon in the next seven, eight years, it's going to become written history as well. Yeah. And um, nobody left and that's it like, and, and, and people are commemorating it they're remembering remember the mistakes because you're not going to move forward if you don't remember what you did wrong you know you're not going to put your hand in the fire a second time because you know it's hot uh, Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so learn from your mistakes and, and, and the museum
3: going. up in Collin. can we touch on that for a minute you have an amazing amount of artefacts up there it's an amazing place I've been in it myself so I know a little bit of what I'm talking about but <laughs> you've expanded it's
6: bigger yeah well um, I always say it was, it was a hobby that went completely mad and, and, and that's <laughs> (laughs) and my mother will tell you that Uh, like I started collecting at the age of 8 and and, and 4 to 3 years later I'm still collecting (laughs) and in 2014 we built a 5,000 square foot extension or museum sorry and then in 2017 we added 9,000 square feet and the problem is it's too small still is Um, it? it's full it's absolutely full chocker block you know and that's the reality of it and
3: you've had this interest since you were a small fellow
6: yeah I found found a coin belonging to my granddad who was uh, uh, in the Royal Irish Fusiliers and and, uh, now I always say never helped that that John Wayne was on television at the same time, <laughs> and every Saturday and Sunday you we were watching uh, films with John Wayne in it. So that, that, that sparked it. Uh, and the aim was to always join the army, but my mum said it was too dangerous. Oh bless so, her! Uh, I, I, I ended up da- doing dairy and, and beef. So I, I, I had a bull running around the field after me. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: then this has now turned into your full time full time profession, is it?
6: Yes, it is. Yeah. Has it been it,
3: busy. Have you had a busy summer
6: up there? Well, in yes, we had a very good summer. Um, and and we're, we're now working hard on a Halloween and we're getting ready for the Halloween and pumpkin picking and all the rest so it's, it, there's a lot more going on than just, just the, the museum now you know. So yeah. and, and we're working on the school tours so like we do the packages for the schools if they're doing World War 1 or they're doing World War 2 not only do we talk about it but they actually get to handle the equipment get to handle the uniforms get to handle the weapons and, and the reality of war and they realise it's not an Xbox game anymore yeah. you're not going to respawn after 5 seconds of being shot in a, in, in a game uh, this is the reality of it you're, 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 and
3: are the kids amazed when they go up and they handle the weapons the weight of them shocked
6: yeah that's the only way I can explain it to you they're just shocked um, they, they're kind of going I can't lift this and, 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 but then the scary thing is they know every weapon yeah
3: they know From every the piece Xbox of equipment
6: yes and that's the reality of it but when they realise that the weight of them and say well you were running down the road playing that in an Xbox game in reality you can't do that you know and and that's the reality of it you know
3: yeah and and for your father of course i mean it must have been terrifying it must have been
5: uh, did he ever say to you did he ever talk to you in later years and say he didn't but when i brought my son james to the first reunion i attended and he was only 13 and he actually was the one who said to gerhard and john were you scared and they said, "Of course, we were scared, but we were part of a crew. We had a job to do, so we had to get on with it. And we were aware if we didn't do our job, then it would affect the rest of the members." But mm. one thing we have to remember: you were talking about World War One. That was a war supposedly to end, end all, all wars. Yeah. World War Two, as I said, there were fifty-five thousand crew shot down over, you know, from bombing missions. And basically, with the Air Force, the Navy, the Army, they gave, the ones who didn't make it back, gave their tomorrow for our today. And that's what we've got to remember. I mean, if it wasn't for what these boys did, England, there'd be hobnail boots and hail Hitler. But, you know, Mm. they they were defending and they were passionate about what they were doing at the time, fighting for king and country. But your dad never said to you in his later years how scared no, he must no. have been mm-hmm. he never talked about it i think that one of the greatest tragedies was look like any war and it is terrible so many civilians are lost and i think after the war the reality and there was so much controversy about bomber harris who was head of the <coughs> bomber command um you know what they did and that so many civilians were killed and it took years and years and years for them to start putting up memorials i mean there's an amazing memorial now that it's i don't know if you've seen it will it's um of a nine foot tall statues of a lancaster crew coming back from a mission and they've managed to actually show the fatigue in their places and your faces and you look at the gear they had to carry Mm. when Mm they're on board and i know with my father being up as a rear gunner i remember reading in one of the part of the diary that the pilot wrote that, that, you know, Dad, the plane was pretty well shot up, the windscreen was gone. My father, they had sort of like a, a suit that warmed them, kept them warm, but that was shot, the line to that, because there was a bullet hole in his turret and um, they had to, you know, he'd passed out, he was frozen. I had to get him out of the aircraft but they did have a couple of fires and crash landings, but they (laughs) made it. (laughs) My God. And then just briefly, Gerard Neville, the Irishman. Oh, yes, do tell us about
3: Gerard Neville. Yeah, Trish, do tell me that story. Gerard
5: Neville, the Irishman, who I remember the only thing, Dad did talk about this Gerard Neville whom he'd met during the war, but sadly was killed. And I actually ended up having contact with Gerard's brother um, Desneville and they were both Irish grew, grew up in Dublin and it turned out their mother was actually an undercover agent for Michael Collins but sadly Gerard didn't make it back Mm. and um you know he was only 19 years of age my goodness and again, the stories the stories yes mm. trish you need to write a book have you thought about writing a book well i've got a lot of information i think it it does need to be recorded and i'm very very aware of that and yes there's a few things in mind that we'd like to pursue because all of these photographs, they're amazing. Some of them are just...
3: Uh, look at this one here, Willie, of the crew. of the. I know we put this on our website as well, with your permission, Trish. Mm. Look at their faces and how young they are yeah. in that they're photograph. They're only babies. They're only babies, they're exactly. Only babies. It does need to be kept safe for mm. future generations. It does need to be documented in some way, would you say, Willie?
6: Oh, definitely. 100%. Like, when you think about it, like that's leave insert. Yeah.
3: Th- that's mm. That's what you're talking about. Kids mm. just... Yeah.
6: finishing school and, and, and that's it you and, know?
3: and seeing this and, and it brings it to life doesn't it it makes it more real yes. than reading about yes. it in a history book yes yep. it does you know it to does. have you look at that photograph of that young man in uniform and call him dad mm. that, that brings it to life doesn't yep. it straight yeah, away
5: it, does. it makes him a real person and then I also had the privilege of meeting a French lady called You Rilard, and she was well into her 80s. But as a young girl of 17 years of age, she was studying English at Paris University when the Nazis invaded France. And her uncle was um, the head of the resistance movement in um, the Champagne area. Yeah. So he recruit- recruited her, this young 17-year-old. And when the Allied crews um, were shot down, they'd rescue them. And um, there were lines to get them out of France to, you know, neutral countries. Mm. And, you know, she only died a couple of years ago. My goodness, she was a mine of information. And actually, I did have the pleasure to go and stay with her. And she brought me around where they used to hide and showed me the houses where they hid
2: the oh. airmen.
5: And incredible stories from that. <laughs> oh, my alone. God. I'm just' um, flabbergasted
3: <laughs> both myself and Willie the way <laughs> yes. you just dropped these into conversation just to this woman and this man
5: and Trish it's an it's amazing
6: it isn't it's just unreal uh,
5: what up. a legacy well I'm very privileged that I met these people you really are and very lucky Aww. and I have to leave it there guys would you believe that half hour has flown wow. by pardon <laughs> the pun
3: so <laughs> I have to thank you Trish and Willie for coming in this afternoon what well, a great discussion and Thanks the best of
5: luck with all of this yes. Yes, a lot of information. You should be very safe. Thank (laughs) you very much, guys. Take care. Bye
2: bye. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors used car event from the 1st until the 5th of October. Tired of high credit union or bank interest rates? Our in house finance specialist is offering low APR finance and flexible PCP finance options. Drive away with a quality used car and a finance package that suits you at Blackstone Motors.
3: Now, welcome back to Late Lunch and something completely different now after that discussion about World War Two. We're going to talk to a mum of four who tragically lost her sports-mad son to cancer. She revealed that joining a gym, would you believe, helped her cope with the grief after his death. Dolores Grace and her family were left devastated when their oldest son, Elliot, died after just a five-month battle with lymphoma on the eve of his 21st birthday in December 20th, 2016. She's from Athboy in County Meath and she says she found a brief escape from her sorrow when a friend dragged her along to the gym and Dolores joins me on the line now. How are you, Dolores?
7: I'm good. How are you,
3: John? Well, smothered with a dose, but that's nothing to complain about. So, no. Dolores, horrible old day out there. You, yeah, but I believe yeah. you've That's, been running I believe you run in all weathers and you love yeah. running And and, and but it, it has kind of helped you a little bit with the grief from the death of your beautiful son Elliot can we go back there Dolores if you don't mind to 2016 that horrible time with the illness that, that took your son in, in such a short space of time can you tell us a bit about Elliot and what happened to him um,
7: Elliot was a very fit young man there was no signs that there was anything really wrong with him he got a cough in the July and I didn't like the sound of it so I brought him to Dr. call it was our wedding anniversary actually and we brought him in and Dr. Uncall weren't happy with him so sent him straight over to A&E in Avon and they x-rayed him obviously because he had a cough and when the x-ray came back they could see lymphomas all over his chest so that was just um, devastating news to get and the first sign of it was just a cough? Literally just a cough. That's all he had. A, a nasty cough. It wasn't a nice cough. But I didn't think it was that kind of an illness he had. I thought maybe he had just a really bad chest infection. Yeah. So, yeah, just a cough. And he had never really been sick as a child. He wasn't a sick child ever, really. So That must was, have been an horrendous shock. Oh, my gosh. It was just the worst shock you can ever get, I yeah. think. Um, but signs were good, they transferred him to the matter hospital straight away and he was an inpatient for a lot of us and they were happy enough that they were going to get to the bottom of it and get him treated and then in the October he just had a severe relapse and he never really came the other side of that Mm. Um, Yeah, and then he died in December.
3: On the eve of his 21st? Yeah Oh what a horrible time for you and your family I don't know how you even got up in the morning. Never mind go to a gym and, and try to, to, to find your way, to claw your way back in into living again, Dolores. What happened that, that helped you to turn the corner there? A friend brought you to the gym, is that right? Yeah,
7: a friend, Emma McClory, who is a great boy woman. Well, she's not a boy original, but she's a great woman and a boy. She had us all out walking for Operation Transformation. Oh, yeah. And then she said, this gym is after opening up. Let's all go for class here. So the Fitness Academy had just opened in that boy and that's what Alma dragged us along to. So, of course, once we got in the door of that, that was it. We were in and I found it was a relief because it was an hour in the day when I just didn't think of anything else. I used to just be trying not to get sick. Literally. (laughs) That's what I was trying not to do. not puke. Get through this hour and don't puke. And that's the way it started. What class was it? Was it like the evil spinning class or one of those? No, no. So it's strength and conditioning the lads Gavin and Owen they'll devise the programme so you warm up for 15 minutes you'll do strength work for probably 20-25 minutes and then you'll do a cardio session for the last bit oh God, and that's right. the bit that yeah, <laughs> you want to just you know
3: So you had to concentrate on that and as you say
7: trying not to yeah. be sick trying not to be sick and just and I think joining that gym it's it, opened up another community of people to me. I mean, it's such a friendly place and everybody's so supportive and mm. it was very social. So that helped as well, you know. Just another outlet, I
3: think. Yeah, because where do you turn when something like that happens in your life? It's, it must be very hard even to just get off the sofa and go out the door to go to a gym.
7: It, yeah, it is. So you have to get out before you think about it because you'll talk yourself out of it. And not just people who've suffered grief, you'll talk yourself out of going to the gym before you're even in the door of, the will, of course. so it's just about getting in and just doing it and just not thinking about it, really, I think is the main thing, and you do feel great after it, you'll never regret the day you go you'll regret the day you don't go but you yeah. don't regret the day that you've been in there, because you feel so much better after it. And how long
3: did it take from the feeling of not trying, trying not to be sick to actually enjoying the class and looking forward to it?
7: Uh, let me see, I'm there two and a half years, I haven't got sick once, I will say, but um, <laughs> It takes, yeah, I suppose it takes a while to to feel that, yeah, I, I can do this, you know. Yeah. I was incredibly unfit. I was really, really unfit. I mean, I have a couple of different conditions. I have rheumatoid arthritis and stuff. So, you know, I had never really done anything like this before. So I was coming from a really low base of yeah. fitness. Um, but, you know, the lads or any gym will cope with that. The lads were brilliant. They would forever have to modify things for me to do. But now I'm able to do most stuff.
3: And Elliot was sports mad himself. What would he say yeah. if he saw you now today in the gym
7: every week? Yeah, I know. I always say he's having a right laugh at me because every time I go out and do a race or I, you know, do anything and I something funny happens to me, like I fall into the lake or I fall <laughs> over or whatever, I think that's him up there. He's having a laugh. He's saying, "Yeah, ma'am go go for it." Because look, that's why I probably do it as well. He can't do it,
3: so so you're doing it. so the gym from the gym to running how did you do that and you're saying about running there and
7: falling into a lake are you doing cross country no there are adventure races so then about kind of 18 months ago then I said I wanted to run a 5k I just wanted to run and I had never run before so I put up a group within our gym group and then loads of people said right no we'll all do it together so we started Couch to 5k and from that Couch to 5k then we signed up for adventure races so adventure races are kayaking cycling and running and it's usually trail type running so yeah i did one in the summer called bar arts in trim and i fell into the lake out of my kayak (laughs) so you know like that's just what happens and you know they're the sort of races that just you know that's what i was going going to say to
3: you because you haven't stopped with just running for a woman who who wasn't fit and had a few couple of things going against you with your conditions with your arthritis and suddenly you're in in a lake in a canoe.
7: Yeah, I probably have a bit of a problem in saying no, really. (laughs) And I end up doing things that, you know, but Sherlockus, why not, you know?
3: What do you get out of it mentally? What do you get out of it, Dolores?
7: Mentally, your head gets cleared. When you go out and you exercise, your head gets cleared. It is definitely much cheaper than any therapy you will ever do. You know, it's social. There'll always be someone who'll come out and run with me or who'll do a race with me or who'll do whatever. And that just, it clears your head. So to me if you can clear your head you get a bit of an adrenaline buzz after as well so that also helps you know that's what I get out of it anyway and
3: these days now with with so many people suffering from depression and doctors are prescribing exercise it is the best cure
7: it is the best cure I was on antidepressants I mean there's no surprise you would be on antidepressants after losing your child but I'm off my antidepressants now you know I mean I'm not cured I'll never not be sad but I'm definitely better Absolutely. You're
3: you're living your life and moving on with it while yeah. never, ever, of course, forgetting your boy. But yeah. y- you are you're finding a way to cope with the loss well, of Elliot.
7: Yeah, we're only going to get one shot at this, so you know, yeah. just give us whatever you can give us. You know, you'll yeah. have bad days and you'll have days that are not great. Yeah. But you know what? Get up tomorrow and start again and do something. It doesn't have to be.
3: So tell me well a bit about the these events. Yeah, tell me about these events. So the, uh, is there another one? Is there one left
7: this year or are we yeah, finished for so, the year? Yeah, so there's one more left in Killarney in, well, Friday week now. We're going down, we're heading down It's on the week. So that's 27 kilometres. So there's cycling and then a kilometre in the kayak and then there's, I don't know, seven or eight or nine. I never like to look at the distance. Uh-huh. So look at the distances, I won't do them. <laughs> but yeah, trail running and that's got something called cardiac depth in it. So you have to run up cardiac steps in Killarney which oh i not looking forward to but you know what, it'll be great when I do it and that's what I'll think about afterwards is how great it was to have done it
3: Exactly, but how do you train for that? You don't know what's ahead of you You know it's going to be 26, 27 kilometres You know there's a lake involved and there's a few steps involved What are you going to do between now and then?
7: Well, a lot of the training's kinda of been done up to now anyway. We've been out on our bikes and we've try and run. We run two or three times a week. We'll go on our bike on a long cycle one day a week. So, you know, that's really how you train. The difficulty is where I live in County Me doesn't have the kind of hills that we mm. end up encountering when we go to these places.
3: When you're yeah. down in Kerry, you'll know yeah, all about it. Down in
7: Kerry, yeah, uh, yeah. Me, the flat are in Kerry really. So, um yeah, you just try and get as much hill running in as you can and Yeah. Really that's all you can do. And do you know what? They're fun. If I like, I'm never going to break any land records. Getting in first place, I won't do that. That's never my aim. My aim is to get across the finish line. Yeah, that's
3: not what it's about, is
7: it? Yeah, no, exactly. It's just about finishing, and and you know.
3: And there's a great social outlet to it, is, is there as well? You've a lot of friends you, going with yeah. you, and
7: yeah, there's a good now. There's a good gang of us going down to Killarney because it is the last one. But there's been a core group of us who have done the other three. Um, yeah, there's about eight of us who travel and have done the other three, so that's great, because it is it's a, it's a bit of a laugh, and it's not just about the event then, it's a social yeah, social element to it too, which is always good.
3: Well, do you know what, Dolores play to you? You're an inspiring woman and oh, I, I hope you've inspired. Well, yeah, I, I can't say you've inspired me yet, but I hope maybe well, if I will. me, I'll tell you, you have no choice. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't. Along. You'd drag me along because I'm I'm always saying I'm going to get back into running and I haven't done it yet, but I will because it, it is one of the best things you can possibly do for your mental state as the well mentally, as your physical exactly. state. Yeah, Listen, exactly. the best of luck and thanks a million. Thank you so much. Have great fun in Killarney. Think of us well. while you're down well. there and well. enjoy it every minute of it. Thanks, Dolores. Thank you. Take care.
2: Bye-bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. You don't have to break the bank to buy quality. The Renault Selection Used Car Event is on from the 1st until the 5th of October with special APR offers, two years warranty, and two years roadside assistance on all quality used cars. T's and C's apply.
3: The Retirement Council of Ireland, the RCPI, has issued a warning to retirees to beware of slipping into binge drinking and overeating when they retire. Now, figures released by the council show that 52% of men over 55 who drink will binge drink. Dietitian and Health Lifestyle Corps specialist with the RCPI, Sarah Keogh, is on the line to tell us more. How are you, Sarah?
1: I'm very well. How are you?
3: Welcome to Late Lunch and thanks for joining us on this horrible rainy day. <laughs> Tell us about this study and and the findings of it.
1: Well, really what we're looking at with the Retirement Planning Council, we run two-day courses for retirement for people. And, you know, we'd look at the usual things like, you know, the pension and finance and wills and so on, but also looking for planning retirement and linking that into health. And really what it's about is what changes come into people's lives when they retire and what do they do. So we would always talk about people, what are they planning, what are they going to take up? Um, and what we do see happens with some people is they've they've little or no plan and they finish work and suddenly they're sitting in a chair watching TV all day. Um, you know, they're really not doing as much as they were. And what can happen is that we see people doing a little more snacking than they did. You know, if you're working maybe lunches at a particular time or you can't just wander away and eat whenever you feel like it. But suddenly at home, the fridge is there every time they go out to the kitchen. The weight can kind of become an issue but for quite a few people alcohol then can be an issue and it's not that people you know decide to retire and suddenly decide they're going to binge drink their life away but it's more that you know you might open a bottle of wine on a Wednesday night now but you wouldn't have done it before because you were going to get up for work in the morning and instead of having maybe one bath of wine you might end up having the whole bottle and it means that suddenly it's the amount of alcohol has gone up and not to any particular conscious decision it's more just that it's happened because life is a little bit different and maybe you're not having to get up the next day for Mm -hmm.
3: something. So it's quite easy then, is it, to slip into these habits of binge drinking, overeating.
1: And as well we we really underestimate the amount of alcohol that's in things like wine. Um, you know, a glass of wine the way we pour it out is gonna have similar amounts of alcohol to maybe having two um, spirits. So we you know, it doesn't match up. It's higher in alcohol than we might think.
3: But it's very bad for you, of course, to drink too much. But I suppose people would think, um, I've worked all my life now, I deserve to sit back, I deserve to do what I want, eat what I want, drink what I want, and maybe sit in the armchair all day. Maybe people don't realise how bad that is for you. Well, if
1: that's what you want, you know what I mean? You're not going to dictate to anybody... um what you're, what you're not going to dictate to anybody, what you're, what they're going to do, but and if that's what they want, you know, fair enough, go for it. But what you are going to find is that if you have some sort of a plan with it, it's better for your health long term. And realistically, our life expectancy now is about eighty-seven, and if you're retiring, you know, somewhere around sixty-five, you know, that's a long time. And what we want is really for people to live that as healthy as possible to actually, you know, Mm -hmm. be well and fit. You know, so I know on the course we would also talk about physical fitness, building a little bit of muscle, you know, really being well rather than just of collapsing because... You know, if you do that, you're not looking after your body and you're more likely to run into health problems earlier, which is something that, you know, most of us really can avoid.
3: Do you have any idea of the amount of people who are retired in Ireland at the moment?
1: I actually don't have figures at the moment, but it's definitely increasing. And as we do know, we've an we've an ageing population. So we mm-hmm. do have more and more people um, who are re- who are in retirement now compared to, say, you know, if you go back 20, 30 years ago, um, the whole argument around pensions is they were, they were aimed to sort of be on the idea that people were dying somewhere around their 60s whereas mm. now we're living into our 80s. So the financial planning becomes huge on that as well. Um, but we have more and more people older and older. Um, and that's where, you know, if you're talking about living independently as you get older, you need to have good strength in your body for your balance um, and to be able to look after yourself. And that's the whole part of the health part aspect of it. So it's not that you can't sit down and have a drink, but, you know, you want to be getting up and doing a bit of exercise and looking after the body in other ways as of well. Of
3: course, because when you lose that routine, and as you say, when you lose the fact that you have to go to bed early because you have to get up early for work mm-hmm. and you need to be on the ball that day, it's very easy, isn't it, to just slip into complacency uh, and, you know, and maybe not replace your work with something else. Having to get up for a class at the gym or having to get up to go swimming or meet friends or something.
1: Well, this is it. Or take, and that's where we talk about planning for retirement. So many people sort of hit retirement and they're like, OK, so what next? And unless you're something, sort of an idea, you know, some people want to maybe travel or some people want to learn a new musical instrument, you know what I mean? People have some things they really want to do. Other people are like, well, I don't know. I have never thought about this. And, you know, it's a gap with that. So planning ahead a little can, you know, make that transition because it is a big transition. People go from having all the social aspect of work and, you know, all of that side of things, and then suddenly they're at home and have they created new social outlets for themselves or are they going to become a bit isolated? because um, so yeah, all that. yeah, it
3: can be very easy to become isolated because your work very pals easy. are busy Yep, and, and, um, and suddenly you don't have them in your life anymore you don't have that chat at lunchtime you know you don't have something to look forward to work outings or whatever you do uh, need to replace exactly. them
1: and there's also a sense of value with it as well because if someone is you know by the time someone's retired you know they usually have a certain level of responsibility within a job you know and suddenly then they're at home that's gone um, you know and it's you know that's a gap for people even just from a self-esteem point of view Um, to think about. So some people sail into retirement, no problem, but a lot of people can struggle. Um, And that's where we would talk about planning ahead for it with the Retirement Planning Council to think about those things.
3: Yeah, because I suppose what are the signs then that you would look out for? So sort of, you know, suppose somebody is planning to retire now at the end of this year and, you know, what should they be looking out for to stop slipping into these habits, to to kind of uh, face it down and sort of say, right, I'm going to make a plan now for the next year?
1: Well, I mean, it's to consider lots of things. One, as you said, is health. You know, so what is going to be your routine in terms of looking after yourself? Are you going to go to the gym? You know, that's some people's idea of health. So are you going to do a Pilates class instead? Will you take up hill walking? You know, and to join something that is social, so a class can be brilliant for some people. Um, But looking at, is there anything you ever wanted to do and didn't have time for that you can start to do? You know, some people learn a new language. And I suppose what you're challenging is this idea that you can't do these things when you're older. Um, But if you look, for example, you will gain muscle as fast in your 80s as you do in your 20s. Um, But age is absolutely no barrier to, you know, getting fit and healthy. and it's absolutely
3: not true that you can't teach an old dog new tricks.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. And we know even from preventing things like Alzheimer's and dementia, if you are learning new things, you're less likely to go on to develop these things. And this is something that frightens people as they get older, the idea that, you know, maybe I will end up with dementia. But we know that if you take particularly learning a new instrument, is very powerful for the brain. Um, but sleep is also really important. And that's the thing where you sort mm-hmm. of start staying up late because you don't have to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or the other problem with alcohol is it disturbs your sleep. So there are things that can impact on sleep. And we know that poor sleep or low levels of sleep are strongly linked with developing dementia. So those kind of lifestyle habits, it's not just about trying to be sort of a do-gooder. It's really actually about taking a little bit of care of yourself so that you can actually enjoy your retirement. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you spend an hour a day with a little bit of exercise taking care of yourself then you have the other 24
3: hours a day to kind of get on and enjoy yourself. Well a couple of years ago I took up German and French because um, I I used to live in both countries years ago and I'd lost the languages and in my class there are so many people who are retired who are just starting for the very first time be it French German Spanish Mm -hmm. Italian for the very first time people in their 60s and 70s and it's a marvellous way to keep the brain active and you have to do homework.
1: And it is, and it's, it, but, you know, the social aspect of it, it's keeping the brain you going with it. But a lot of people do a little more travelling, and it's nice to be able to go and actually speak the language when you get there. And I love to see that, because I meet so many people and say, you know, I'm looking forward to having time to do these mm-hmm. things that I couldn't do because I was raising children, or I was working, or there just wasn't time. But now there is, you know, and you, I nearly say to people, this is the time to indulge yourself a little, not necessarily in alcohol, but maybe in some of the other things that you've always wanted to do.
3: And aren't those men's sheds a great idea altogether, and Sarah?
1: aqui unbelievably good. I think they're one of the most positive projects I've seen and we see huge benefits out of it um, and we see men who in their 50s and 60s are coming back into education who maybe didn't have the opportunities before and discovering I think the self-esteem aspect of it is huge and the support and just that I think you know men find it more difficult around mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about depression and so on I think it's a, just a, the most amazing project it's something I think is fantastic. It
3: is a fantastic idea. Can we get back to nutrition just quickly for a moment and maybe supplements that I mean it's hoisted upon you as you get older that you need this and you need that but are there anything is there anything in particular that you think you should take in retirement maybe some type of supplement vitamin d D
1: is absolutely essential so in ireland we just don't get enough sunshine for vitamin d um so we have huge amounts of people deficient or borderline deficient in ireland Mm -hmm. and it's difficult to get enough vitamin d from food you know you will find it in oily fish like salmon would have it or you will find it in eggs but you know you're you're looking at maybe even up to 15 eggs a week to actually get your vitamin D. Oh good and lord. Yeah so it's kind of going oh it's in the food but nobody's really eating it in the amount that is going to be enough and this is where I'd say to people we need a vitamin D supplement so this can be a tablet it can be cod liver oil actually is a great place to pick up vitamin D so a lot of mm-hmm. people are taking that without realising they're getting vitamin D as well but you know if you look at some of the milks that have vitamin D added they're brilliant. Um, and lot of, they were originally developed specifically for people in nursing homes who weren't getting out into the sunshine and had very low levels of vitamin D. So that's right. where Super Milk was actually born there about 25 years ago, um, really to target this in older people. But we know that even if you're not in a nursing home, the sunshine in Ireland is just not there enough. Yeah. So um, something like a glass of those kind of milks are brilliant. Um, but a vitamin D supplement, I would always recommend to anybody um, to take a vitamin D supplement in some form.
3: And, of course, there's so much out there nowadays. There's so many clubs out there that you can join. There's Like, there's no excuse really, is there, unless you're literally not able to leave your house and go out and, and make new friends and do things.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, and not everybody is massively social. Some people actually leave work with a sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> with that as well. yeah. But even for that, it's still to, to, to do something, to still be a little bit active, to look after the body, to build muscle. You know, we would always talk about the fact that you need physical strength to do your supermarket shopping. And we often forget that the muscles around our middle, so our tummy and our back muscles, are our balance muscles. And if we want to be able to walk without a walking... I know when you're retiring at six, in your 60s you're not thinking about this but you do need to be aware of the fact that a lot of people when they get older fall over and can't get back up again mm. and for a lot of the time that's loss of muscle as we get older so that's a really important thing because that's your big difference between being independent at home and ending up in a nursing home you know can you actually get yourself off the floor and you know if you talk to people in their 60s and you say it some of them are already finding that difficult yeah. and I don't say to them well you know how bad are you going to let that get yes
3: and you, you can know. combat it Absolutely And this is the thing It is
1: so easy to reverse that You need to do a Pilates class Or you need to start, get someone To show you how to work those muscles um, You know, And I think an investment In a Pilates class If you can find one That's run by a physiotherapist They tend to be fantastic And it's very targeted And it's once a week and I know people are saying oh I don't want to but like, you yeah. know, I often think an hour a week at a Pilates class is better than 24 hours a day in a nursing home absolutely you know?
3: <laughs> but you know the first step to get off the couch and get out that's the hardest that's thing isn't up. it it is, it
1: is it's getting yourself off the couch especially
3: when you've been getting up at maybe six or seven every yeah. day for work and you think right I am not moving off this sofa for a week or something but,
1: and that's fine but take yeah. it as a two week holiday Take Absolutely. It. Yeah. This is my two weeks, I am going on holidays, but at the end of two weeks, I am coming back, and you know we talk about our daily maintenance, and I think we're so automatic about things like brushing our teeth and having a shower. Put your walk into that. Yeah, they put that part of your daily maintenance
3: or you your know, Pilates that. class do you know something yeah. Pilates when you, it, it's actually a miracle isn't it Pilates it's, it's absolutely tremendous. amazing yeah. you go to it and you sit there and you think this is I'm not doing anything here this is Oh yeah. so, <laughs> and, and the home. next day oh my god <laughs> you're your gonna core muscles that now. no no it's amazing <laughs> you know, once it's you get past that first class because you think it's so easy but you're working yeah. those muscles yeah. deep deep inside it and it stands to you it's absolutely
1: fantastic it's really so important it for is. your balance and your independence and this is the thing I say to people all the time what's your independence as you get older and how are you going to maintain it
3: yeah exactly so look at it was a gentle warning to people not to be completely uh, immobile and sitting on the sofa for for their entire retirement take it like you say a two week holiday and then get back in action get out there get active and stay fit and healthy Sarah Keogh thank you so much for all those hints and tips and have a great day thank you Sarah take Take care care. Bye. bye bye
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. You don't have to break the bank to buy quality. The Renault Selection Used Car Event is on from the 1st until the 5th of October with special APR offers, 2 years warranty and 2 years roadside assistance on all quality used cars. T's and C's apply.
3: You're very welcome back to Late Lunch and i better do this now before I forget our competition which we ran earlier in the show with Athboy Credit Union who of course have been serving their community in Athboy for the last 50 years. We had a 50 euro voucher from the Darnley Lodge Hotel in Athboy to give away and our question was of course how many years has the credit union there been serving the community in Athboy? The answer was of course 50 years. And the €50 euro voucher is going to Kitty Lynch in Kells. So, Kitty, you can head off there for a spot of Sunday lunch or a night out for dinner. €50 euro voucher for the Darnley Lodge Hotel there. Kitty Lynch in Kells. Well done, Kitty. Now, our next item, we're going to talk a little bit about Tidy Towns because the seaside town of Black Rock was yesterday named Ireland's Tidiest Small Town at the 2019 Supervalued Tidy Towns Awards. And John Horne is the chairman of the Black Rock Tidy Towns and he should be on the line. Are you there, John? I am, yes. Well, how are you today, and how are the people feeling in Blackrock after the news yeah. yesterday?
8: Well, uh, uh, we are, we're, we're delighted, we're thrilled, and we've had uh, numerous congratulations from all sorts of people uh, in the last 24 hours. And uh, we, we've been very busy. We've been around the schools with the trophy. And various sponsors and people who've contributed because it's one thing to remember about the, the achievement that we, we, we've got is that it's, a, it's an award for the entire community. It's an, it's a war, it's an award for all of BlackRock and all of the people in BlackRock, all of the volunteers and all the people who've lent a hand over the, the last two and a half decades that we have been going in our current incarnation.
3: Exactly, so, uh, I was just about to say that. So there's a Tidy Towns Committee, but of course, you've been involving the whole community, really.
8: Yes, a lot of people from the community, a lot of support, a lot of support from the traders, uh, a lot of support from volunteers, 40 plus volunteers and then people who come out for special occasions like the Coast Care events, like the Spring Clean uh, and of course I have to mention the, the work that the Community Employment Scheme do under the supervision of Pat Rafferty is absolutely invaluable. We could not do the, the things that we, we do, we couldn't achieve what, what we have, have, have achieved without them.
3: And John, how long have you been involved? How long have you been involved in Tidy Towns?
8: Uh, 26 years.
3: Oh, a long time. Are there many people, yeah. in, are many members?
8: How uh, many members on our committee? Mm. We have 12 members uh, on the committee itself. Now, we do have other people who come in for various subcommittees We try and dish out work, and, and uh, there are other involved, uh, people involved People uh, involved doing different things at different times. Yeah. And then um, we have volunteers who will come for... For litter picking and so on, there's over forty people in in, um, in so total.
3: In order to win an award like this, now that takes an awful lot of work. What have you been doing to keep the area to keep it spruced up?
8: Uh, well, to win to win an award like that, it's uh, it, 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 there, there's um, you have to perform under eight different categories. Uh, and so it's not just litter picking; it's not just presentation of the village. You have to be involved in things like st- sustainability. Um, the, the residential streets and housing areas are, are marked. The approach roads are marked. Green spaces and landscaping. So it's uh, it's a wide variety of, of things that are actually marked. And it's not it's like it's not just what tidy towns do. It's what the mm. it's how the community is presented that's marked, and uh, that's where the marks are allocated. And uh, it's a testament to the. The, uh, the pride that people in Blackrock have for their community that they present in such a way uh, and uh, have helped us to achieve this particular. Yeah.
3: And I believe you were only o- only just one little mark away from winning the, the overall Ireland's Tidiest Town Award.
8: Yes, yeah, no, one, we're one mark away from Glasslock, who are the, who are the, the national overall winners. The, the award that we won is a national award for the, the small town category. There are four categories, and then one of those uh, winners from those categories becomes the overall winner so this year it was a glass lock and we're one point away from that and uh, that just doesn't mean that next year we are <laughs> automatically go up to one point because they well they move the goalposts from year to year and so it could be there could be five uh, points more to the to the actual winner so it could actually year. get
3: tougher next year. Are they, are they could, upping the ante all the time?
8: It gets tougher every year. As you go up the marks, it gets tougher and tougher. Uh, but it, 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 it's important to emphasise that the main reason that we're involved is for our community, the uh, success in the national competition and indeed in the upcoming um, county competition, the Loud-Looking Good Awards, it will be presented on the 7th of November. Um, the, the involvement of that is secondary, it's most important that we... We're we're working for our community. Mm. All the volunteers who work on the committee and who come out for the various litter picking and sundial cleaning duties do it on a voluntary basis because they have pride in their community.
3: And of course on top of this uh, we have to mention as well that you also held on to the gold medal status winning the county award.
8: We we, uh, received four awards yesterday. We got the county award, we got the regional award, we got the the overall, the, the national award for our category, and our gold medal. So it was four separate awards.
3: Well done. Some celebrations in Blackrock so this yeah. week. Yeah. Well done. If anybody, just suppose, just to wrap up, John, if anyone wanted to get involved in helping out with the Tidy Towns, where where do they go about finding you?
8: Uh, you you'll find our, our webpage on, on uh, blackrockvillage.ie and our email um, uh, 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 probably the, actually the Facebook page would probably be the best for Black Rock mm. Facebook page would probably be the best way to, to make contact and we'd be delighted to have new members we have our AGM next Monday night in the community centre at 8 o'clock or uh, it's half 7 it's half 7 actually <laughs> uh, on, uh, to check that uh, yeah. n- next Monday evening but it's in the community centre on Sandy Lane and anybody who'd like to get involved uh, they would be more than welcome
3: John Huge congratulations from all of us here in LMFM. A wonderful achievement. Fair play to everybody there in BlackRock and keep up the good work for next year. Thanks a million, John. John,
2: great to talk to you. Thank you very much.
3: Take care. Bye bye.
2: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors. Used car event from the 1st till the 5th of October. Get a finance package that suits your needs on a quality approved Renault or Dacia. With a low deposit and low monthly payments, you could arrive and drive today at Blackstone Motors.
3: Welcome back to Late Lunch. Now, did you ever hear hear the term eco-anxiety? Well, it's a new term used to describe emotions felt with the news that we may be facing impending doom. However, it should not be heaped upon children. That's according to my next guest, Professor Patricia Casey, who's consultant psychiatrist in the Matter Hospital in Dublin. How are you, Patricia?
9: I'm very well indeed, Joan, and thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. The end is nigh, Patricia, is that right? Well, I don't know if the end is nigh. I strongly doubt it. Um, the problem is that um, a lot of people like um Greta Thunberg are saying that in a few years the end will be nigh if we don't do something about it and that's the nub of the problem these dire predictions that have always been made um through history um yeah. i mean i remember as a child being in london and there were people standing in Hyde corner in there in the soap boxes um you know shouting the world is nigh um and that people would die for their sins and go to hell. So, so people have always been making these dire predictions. Mm,
3: but for our listeners out there now who'd never heard of it, what is eco-anxiety exactly?
9: Well, firstly, it's a new term. So it's not sort of written up in any of the psychiatric textbooks. It's a term that's been coined, I think, by psychologists who are seeing a lot of children who are scared, terrified, about what is happening in the world, and the fact that if if what what they hear is true, people will be dying, there will be famine, there will be wars, and children are being told this and 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 picking it up um, in the from from the media, and there is there are reports that some children are so worried about drought that they are refusing to drink water some are losing weight because they're they're so stressed about the whole thing
3: My God, that's unbelievable and of course up there in the forefront of it is a child, Greta Thunberg she's up there, 14 years of age uh, do you think, does she deserve some criticism for what she's doing? She's to be commended I guess but does she deserve, uh, she's had some criticism in the, in the media in the past week
9: I I think that the, the apocalypse that she's forecasting is, is very worrying, and I certainly think she should be reined in somewhat on that. However, there are obviously people who are... She's got parents. There are obviously uh, a group of people who are very committed to climate change who will have no intention of reining her in because they see that she is making news headlines. She's capturing the imagination of people. Um, including including that of children. I mean, children are taking days off school, they're taking time off school to go out marching. So yeah. her, her, the people that are managing her day-to-day living um, certainly have no notion of, of, of reining her in, although I feel that she should be reined in. Mm. To give you an example though of what I saw, I was I was in Edinburgh on holidays for the festival in the month of August, and I was walking across a park up to a concert one morning. And there's a school um, um, on the edge of the park, and attached to the gate, in very childish handwriting, maybe the handwriting of eight or seven or eight-year-olds, was: "I want you to panic. I want you to feel as if the ground is melting under your feet because it is." Now. Some of those, I think, are Greta's words. And, Good Lord! And and for that to for children to be writing that sort of thing, and the children were just back at school. It was the third week in August, and they go back to school in, in Edinburgh, and Scotland, much earlier than than they do here. So they were back at school, and and they had written this and and stuck it to to the, the gate, the back gate. Their school, and I think for children oh. to be feeling that level of anxiety is is morally is ethically wrong. I mean, supposing, for example, we knew that another war was imminent, yeah. and, and that that you know that there were going to be bombs dropping on people, and 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 nuclear war, and people being. Decimated. We would be try instead of scaring our children and telling them this in graphic terms, we would be trying to reassure them, you know, mommy and daddy will keep you safe. There are people trying to put an end to this, you know, yeah. everybody is going to do what they can about it. So in that kind of language, rather than in the histrionic language that is currently everywhere at the moment. I think that's the kind of language that should be used for for children and for teenagers.
3: I mean, it really is. I mean, shouldn't we let kids be kids? We, We should be protecting them in a way from the bad stuff. I mean is there an age when it becomes appropriate to, uh, let them, to let them know this? I mean these are very young children who are out there and, and the children who wrote that message on that gate Patricia they would have been very small children what? I mean surely there's an age where it becomes appropriate where they can know these things
9: uh, Yes I mean it depends there's a lot of individual variation of course but I would have thought when children are in their mid-teens they could certainly know about these things but, um, but before that I think they need to be protected and reassured and sure, you know, perhaps there are things they can do. Um, so you could say, to them, you know, a, a little thing you can do to help, instead of saying, you know, a thing you can do to save the world. A little thing you can do to help is, you know, don't don't use um, paper cups, or don't don't throw, you mm. know, don't throw don't don't throw waste around the place. Just simple things like that. But the apop- apocalyptic language is what I think is is very is very damaging and this is having these children are effectively having existential crises i was just reading earlier today when i was reading up for this program and for other interviews that i'm going to be doing about it that in fact Greta herself says that she had um she felt depressed at one point in her life when she was younger and it was because of climate change so she is speaking through the lens of depression um about yes and she's 14 years of age and she's fourteen years of age.
3: And she's talking about having been depressed in the past when she was what, maybe ten or eleven or something. That's that's I terrifying. Didn't
9: find out the age, yeah, it is, it is, it is frightening. Because when is she going to
3: enjoy her childhood?
9: Well, she has accused, you know, mm. accused the world because of the yeah. action of depriving her of her childhood. Yeah, and she's saying there is no hope. So, you know, if there is no hope, why should we do anything about it? I mean, in one, at one level, that level, she's full of contradictions. But mm-hmm. say there is no hope, and for a child of 10 to hear that, or 12, it is really... Um, so, so I, I would agree that there has to be some reining in of this, this stuff because it is getting out of control where where children are concerned. and, and
3: Yes, where children are concerned, but are, are adults in there as well? Would, are adults suffering from...
9: Well, I was just going to come to that. It is highly likely that adults, if they believe all this stuff, are going to become just as nihilistic and have as big an existential crisis or even a bigger existential crisis because they know what the implications of war are and drought are because they see documentaries about it on television. So they are going to be more likely significantly distressed and upset about this. So there are swathes of populations who, if they take this on board seriously, are going to have major mental health problems. When... Um, you know, in my opinion, none may be necessary. You'd need to talk to a climatologist about that. Yes. But I do know that um, 10 or 15 years ago, Al Gore was predicting that, you know, people would be dying by 2020
8: mm. because,
7: of,
9: because of of um, climate change. So, you know, I think the same thing um, applies applies now. It does. Um, that, you know, we have to take it I won't say with a pinch of salt. Certainly, do what we can um, to to avert or to improve um, the climate oscillations that we're seeing what's in our yeah. power it pro- not much is probably in our power while countries like like China aren't doing anything because that's the most populous country in the whole world so, I mean, what we do is a drop in the ocean. But let's do what we what we can. Let's do what we can, yeah. What's doable, and let's be realistic about it. As many of us have been for many years. Many of us have been recycling. Many of us have been carrying um, reusable water bottles yeah. with us. You know, we've we've been doing these things. We changed to diesel when we were told it was good to move from petrol to diesel. Now we're told diesel is bad and electric is good, and some people are changing cars. Yeah. You know, so some people are yeah. doing what they what they can.
3: Patricia I have to leave it there I'm afraid time is against us but um, thank you so much for your time this afternoon and I'm sure this issue is not going to go away as long as Greta Thunberg has has a podium anyway and uh, I mean it is a serious issue but your points are very very well made indeed do the children really need to be terrified out of their wits at this point. Patricia Casey thank you so much for your time I'm afraid that's it for me and Late Lunch thanks as always to all my guests to you the listener and as usual to my producer Louise till next time take care bye bye
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. You don't have to break the bank to buy quality. The Renault Selection Used Car Event is on from the 1st until the 5th of October with special APR offers, 2 years warranty and 2 years roadside assistance on all quality used cars. T's and C's apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation,
1: we thought we'd bring our prices down.